Thank you for listening to one out of four experts. I'm Brutey the Dragon. Remember, these humans are not real experts. Enjoy the show. Welcome to One Out of Four Experts, where each week, my co-host and I endeavor to bring you topics of interest, topics, and subjects only one week before we knew basically nothing about. My name is Joel. I'm Caitlin. I am Josh. I'm Chris still. And Chris is still here. Every week, And each segment, one of us will be your expert, and the others will just iron their pants. Who goes first this week, guys? I think, uh, I think Caitlin goes first this week. Yeah. She crushed it last week. I hate to break week. it to you guys. Yes, I'm pretty sure that's correct. Thanks. I, I like your support. No, she. let's be honest. She crushed it last week. We get six points versus what was the next closest? I think like four. I yeah. mean, that's, that's pretty good. Actually, four is not bad yet. Yeah, four, were... four is pretty close to I wasn't, six. I wasn't paying attention to the recap. Yeah. <laughs> it was a high-scoring game last week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... I wanted to talk to you guys about this thing that I literally just learned about. Never heard of it before in my life. And uh, just curious if you guys have either. So I'm here to talk about sailing stones. Oh, I think I know what they are. I just wanted it. to if be... If anyone was going to know what they are, I knew it was going to be Josh. I want it to yes. be a Zelda item really bad. I but actually I have did no think idea about Wind Waker pretty much instantly. Oh, yeah, that's that's what oh I see what you're saying. I'm yeah. not totally sure, though, so I'm just going to shut up. So uh, they're also known as sliding rocks, walking rocks. Oh, oh my God, I yeah, know what this is I now. Rolling stones. The rolling stones. You may have heard of them. Yeah. They're just the rolling stones. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, Caitlin, where are they from? They're from... (laughs) (laughs) They're from England. Thank you. Thank you for that. Okay. These are not, however. So they are a geological phenomenon that are found in playas, which are desert basins with no outlet that periodically fills with water to form a very shallow temporary lake. So these are very... They didn't know that for a long time, right? Like people were like... Why are these fucking stones? Oh yeah, around? we're gonna get to the stones. I was describing a playa. I was just like, it has to. They this can only happen in like a set of very very specific conditions, and it those conditions are only found God, in things called show. playas. Exactly I'm like so me getting yeah, an erection. It's really cool. So um, <laughs> I'm sorry. What? What? No, C- Caitlin, keep going. So this ha- this happens in more than one place, but not many more than one place, mostly uh, in California. So playas exist in Little Bonnie Claire Playa in Nevada, and most famously at Racetrack Playa in Death Valley National Park. Mm-hmm. So Death Valley is what I'm going to talk about. Mm-hmm. That's the... I feel like that's, I've heard of that. Let's that's go the there now in our minds together. Mm-hmm. Let's all go Should there. I close my eyes? Yeah, let's okay. all go there together to Death Valley California. Oh, it's so nice. Yeah, is it? Yeah, it's... there's a, there's a breeze. Okay, sometimes, yeah. And I it's... hear I hear <laughs> there's no flamenco moisture music oh, at all. Okay, we're getting further away. I can hot. feel my skin cracking. That's I'm actually going to give Josh a point for what? that. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, it's Sweet. it's dry, hot, and arid. For most of the time, uh, the surface is covered with mud cracks and sediment made of silt and clay, and it rains just a few inches per year, if that. Ooh, 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 I bet there's vultures overhead. There's definitely vultures, right? There's got to be vultures. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I hesitate around. to give you a point because that has no bearing on on the topic. No, nope, it's just me being about. in like Looney Tune world and uh, yeah, standing yeah, yeah, there yeah. like, oh. Oh, definitely. This is where 
the coyote wily coyote uh, yeah definitely chased roadrunner Road here okay. yeah, 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 yeah exactly okay joel gets a point wait oh, whoa. No. okay whoa. Whoa. looney too point for looney too yeah well yeah. this would have definitely i feel like this is where that take, took place j names bringing in the points early on okay so yeah i feel like <laughs> this is where those wily coyote cartoons took place maybe is that what this is about now? No, just talking no, about no, that? no. So it doesn't rain very often, but when it rains, uh, the steep surrounding mountains produce a large amount of runoff that converts the floor into a, a broad, very shallow lake that might just be a few inches deep at the low point of the playa. Once every several years, the occasional shallow lake freezes over, covering it with thin layers of ice. That So it's a thin layer of ice floating on top of a thin layer of water. Did you water. say once every couple of years? Yeah. No, I didn't know it ever got even close enough to freezing in Death it's, Valley. It's only once every, about once every three years. Wow, I didn't, mm-hmm. wow, that's- But that is, you, that, you bring up a good point in that even when that happens, the layer of ice is really shallow and thin and it's sitting above a layer of water. Do you usually know- um, So you it, know? Bre- it breaks apart rapidly as soon as as soon as the sun comes up basically right. do you know when okay. the last time this happened was i sure do but i will get to that because something momentous happened okay. the last time so what people started noticing is that rocks looked like they they were at the end of a long track that it looked like was made by the rock itself so right? they, because- they moved the pioneers used to ride oh, those babies for miles. Yeah. Sponge SpongeBob reference. Oh nice. <laughs> okay, so yeah, brought it around. Yeah, exactly. So that's basically what it was. Um, these rocks appeared to have moved on their own for a long enough distance that it left a track. And based on what the rock was made up of, we could tell where it came from and by following the end of the trail. But we we've never seen it happen in person, so we didn't know how it happened for a really long time. So, historical accounts put some stones about 300 feet from shore, but most are found relatively close to the outcrops where they came from. So, they're mostly just three different types of rocks, cyanite, dolomite, and black dolomite. So, the tracks are often, they can be up to 330 feet long, and they're about 3 to 12 inches wide, depending on how big the stone is, and it's less than an inch deep so sometimes like some of the rocks are pebbles and some are up to 700 pounds so this is yeah so this like rules out just like a a light breeze or something like that's not what it is because it's this is moving a lot of weight so it's thought that in order to occur there needs to be a balance of very specific conditions present tell me about those conditions caitlin there needs to be a flooded surface a thin layer of clay wind Ice flows, which is a sheet of floating ice, and warming temperatures causing the ice to break up. So this was studied at Racetrack Playa in Death Valley since the early 1900s, but it's only until extremely recently that we understand what they're about. That's crazy. Yeah, so can, very crazy. Can you see them move in real time? Okay, we hadn't for a really, really long time, and we actually kind of still haven't. Two guys did in... Okay, are you guys ready? Do we, do we believe them, Wait though? a second. So yes, they, we, we believe them because they got it on video. They have this theory, Ooh. okay? Yeah. They, they got it on a video. That's what I'm saying. Like, I was going to say, these two dudes, were they just like standing there for a long time? Like, can we just set up some cameras Yeah, and they wait? do. They do set up cameras. But they also had had this theory 
and wanted to see it proven or disproven. Like if your if your life's work was studying this, you're going to stand there and watch it happen. They was, did was also there, record it. Was there a theory that a big strong man came by every <laughs> yeah. couple of years and just well, no, because if you pick him up again, and then just push him around. Oh yeah, he's got to push him. Well, yeah, that's what it is. It's Young Link. Every, all, every time, it's always moving, young Link. moving those boulders around. Uh, so yeah, there were definitely lots of conspiracy theories through the years. The people thought it was like magnetic forces or mysterious energy fields or transdimensional vortexes. You know, those. That's, that's a strong theory. All Thanks, they want to do, no, is, there all was, they we had, do is push rocks. We transdimensional have, vortexes just want to push rocks. Wouldn't it be vortices? Yeah, that's what it is. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Josh. If you had no idea, like we had no idea until 2014. Like a few years ago, some people thought it was just those meddling kids and like (laughs) they thought it was pranksters. And also there were lots of um, fucking pranks. We're just going to go fucking desert. (laughs) Rocks and old man Jenkins outer property. (laughs) They're going to hate this. It's going to be so fucking pissed touching his rocks. We're just going to scrape a rock along the floor of the basin. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. Nobody ever like made like a nice like. Like big old schlong on that fucking <laughs> yeah. floor. Of this yeah, thing. that's probably the strongest me? evidence a, that it wasn't a prankster. Exactly. Because, Dead yeah, giveaway, it no wasn't dicks. shaped like a dick. Guess yeah. what, guys? No dicks. So, so and and then of course there were lots of kids. so of course there were lots of like UFO and alien theories, which seems about right to me that people would think that. I hope there's a lot of paper rustling going on in the background. Caitlin printed out. Yeah, I did this. She wrote an school. essay about this and printed it out. <laughs> oh which my is, god, which such is a good new. way to bring this up, Chris. Nah. I'm thinking like if it's very noticeable in the audio, I might add like that newsreel ticker in the background. Da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah, oh, okay, like, yeah, that Just fits. straighten yeah. your papers real quick. Can you this just, is also news. Can you just uh, yeah. straighten? We them? consider ourselves news. Yeah, no, we're news. Yeah, this is a <clears throat> legit news source. Real news. So it was only until very recently that we learned the true nature of what happened. Happened, and there were lots of hypotheses. The first documented accounts date only back to 1915. That's like recent history. Yeah. 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 Um, so in 1915, a prospector named Joseph Crook from Fallon, Nevada. These kids are fucking moving my rocks. Visited the uh, racetrack playa site shortly after because he was there and he noted these strange findings. Geologists. Geologists Jim McAllister and Alan Agnew mapped the bedrock of the area in 1948. Yeah, I was trying to do. I was trying to do. I was like close to doing a Nixon impression. I can't. I can't pull it off. I know that I have to go like. Yeah. Once I say words, it's going to fall apart. So they mapped the bedrock of the area, but in 1948. Like these are the first like mappings of the area and it's 1948 already. <laughs> they published a report in 1948 in a in Geologic St- Society of America bulletin. And their theory was that they were remnants of scrapers propelled by strong gusts of wind like dust devils. So they were part of a larger stone structure. And and basically a tiny tornado. <laughs> Is that where the name Dust Devil uh, for the vacuum comes from? Yeah, absolutely. Point for me. Okay. Well, dust. I thought it was Dirt Devil. Oh shit. D- okay, take thing. my point. Oh away. yeah, Dust Devil. Dust Devil. Oh dirt yeah, you devil. definitely don't get a point, dude. Come Same on. Well, dust Devil is a great name for like a doomcore band or like a like yeah. a sick like a California sludge metal. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like the name Point for Joel. Dust Devil is kind of light <laughs> if it you know light. what a Dust Devil actually is. Yeah. 
You don't yeah, know it's, what it it's, is. It's a tiny tornado. Yeah, she took the word dust and devil in it. I don't it's care. Harmless. So in the 50s and 60s, there were lots of hypotheses as to what occurred, but the one backed by most of the geologists at the time suggested strong winds when the mud is wet. Like that's the combination. They just thought strong winds, mud's wet, leaves, mud leaves a permanent, yeah, right. leaves a permanent track. Yeah. So that brings us to the 1970s. Again, like really recently, Bob Sharp and Dwight Carey started a racetrack stone movement monitoring program. So they took 30 stones with fresh tracks and they labeled them and used stakes to mark their location and gave them all names. Yes. Oh, yeah. Tell me some <laughs> of those names, Caitlin. Actual names. <laughs> no, so I think good. probably Pet Rocks existed before this. Oh, yeah. Because oh, okay. this is 1972. So, for instance, oh, Nancy yeah. was the smallest monitored stone and moved the longest cumulative distance, which yeah, was fucking six, right. Go Nancy. Eight hundred and sixty feet. Does the does the size of the stone have to do with how far? Like, did they did they find that the smaller the stone, the further it traveled? I think the heavier. Not always. Not all, okay. Because of what actually causes it, it yeah. it's not necessarily the stone right, yeah. that dictates what happens. It's the ice that bumps into it. Mm. Okay. So they, they have a little stone family and it's great. And they're all just hanging out with their little stone family. But they didn't really find a lot from that because they, they just kind of ruled stuff out. They didn't necessarily nail down what the phenomenon actually was. But they ruled some stuff out and they noted some more correlations that no stones ever moved during the summer. And if they moved in the winter, a couple of them did every few years. So this brings us to the 1990s, when Professor John Reed took six research students from Hampshire College and UMass Amherst uh, in a follow-up study in 1995. So this, again, this is 1995. Like, we were alive for this. Some stones were proved beyond a reasonable doubt to have moved in ice flows, and Consequently, they found out that both wind alone and wind in conjunction with ice flows are thought to be the forces that are moving them. Like we're moving at a snail's pace to figure out <laughs> what but this people was. Need we're to moving know. People slower than the rocks know. themselves. Yeah, maybe the camera technology wasn't catching up. Like I, I don't know where we were at at that point, but like maybe we couldn't couldn't yeah. leave a camera out there for three years. But it also would have been yeah, like it would have been total guessing. You I would think, have just been looking at random stuff. Well, you would have had tracks. to leave it there for like a year plus or probably longer. Probably didn't have the battery technology. We probably yeah. still I don't have I think there's the probably technology. just a list of unexplained phenomena somewhere, and then this this is just towards the bottom. They just didn't care that much. Yeah, maybe. They're like, that's weird, but it's not that it's, weird. Yeah, it's Nobody not a priority. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Whatever, it's not dude. affecting anyone, literally, yeah. ever. Yeah. It's not like it was like, this rock fucking anal probed my butt. Then we would have had to research it. So in 2009, we finally had some inexpensive time-lapse digital cameras that allowed them to capture meteorological phenomena, including dust devils and the playa flooding. So they already were using that technology. And again, it said inexpensive, which leads me to believe maybe this technology existed, but you know, a couple rogue geologists that are the only ones that care about this phenomenon don't have the funds to... Yeah, gonna, yeah they probably rogue geologists <laughs> going off the book, In a getting world. shit done when their supervisors don't know about it. These are the stories of the rogue geologists I would, coming to the History Channel. Jesus Christ, I would watch the shit out of this show. I would definitely watch this show. Yeah, and then they would be the ones that finally figured out 
what what causes the phenomenon? Chris, can but we pitch this? But they're still out of work by 5 p.m. to we- get home for dinner with their <laughs> lovely families. So in January of 2014, there were multiple movement events that were recorded using GPS and time-lapse photography, which witnessed more than 60 rocks moving. And it was these two cousins, Richard and James Norris, and they just, this was their life's mission to finally figure it out unequivocally, without question, what was doing it. Two cousins from, two Chuck Norris cousins. Two Chuck Norris cousins. They don't play by the fucking rules. Shit. (laughs) So... They finally recorded this using time-lapse photography, and they, there are some cool interviews with them where they talk about the moment that it happened, that they heard cracking sounds, like that it sounded like explosions, and they knew that that was the ice breaking up, and then they like, looked at each other and were like, this is it. This is the moment. Like They actually said that. And we're like, oh, come on, Chris. <laughs> what do you got? What do you Get got? It to us. <laughs> this is their moment, their time. Next week. <laughs> Rogue geologists. Bro, that's what it's called. Rogue geologists. So they Fuck. were. <laughs> yeah, they were stoked on it. They they were like, holy shit, this is what we've been waiting our entire lives for. What is it going to be? One of them says, these rocks clock in at about 15 feet per minute. Oh, so wow, they're damn. not moving fast. <laughs> it's pretty slow. 15 feet per minute. I mean, that's fast. I guess, yeah. I, I remember yeah. reading yeah. that and thinking it was faster than it made it seem like. They, thinking, they were trying to say it's slow. Oh, man. I was thinking that it would be, you know, inches <laughs> over the course of many, many, many years. Right, yeah. <laughs> like 15 <laughs> feet per minute. Like you can, you can like, watch no, that. On, no, on no. a geological scale, that's how stuff usually works. Well, yeah, yeah. You're, yeah that's you true. Can't, you can't really make trails in the desert like that. Like it, you wouldn't even notice that it uh, moved. Have you seen the Grand Canyon? No, no, no. I, well, that's yeah. just a trail in Dude, the middle nah. of the fucking desert. <laughs> Not that's, really. That's called erosion. It's a different no, thing. No, that was one rock just sliding around. Going, <laughs> Just one rock sliding around. Holy shit. Earth is just one rock sliding around. Yeah, so speaking of rocks sliding around. In a world where Earth is just one rock. Okay, Joel, that's enough. We're trying to listen to Caitlin's thing. (laughs) I'm trying to do it one time. This is a serious thing. We moved on. So, uh, what they figured out, what they saw and caught on tape, and we finally know, but only since 2014 do we know this, that they move when large sheets of ice a few millimeters thick, floating on a very temporary uh, winter lake that forms only every, about every three years. And so those very thin sheets of ice start to break up when the sun warms them. And then gusts of wind. So again, really specific circumstances that have to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, a gust of wind will push the sheets of ice that have broken up and they knock into the rocks and mm-hmm. push them. So. Okay. It, the whole time everyone was trying to figure out oh if they're caught in the ice how the whole thing must move and then it brings the rock along with them but it's like a big game of earth crazy bones oh yeah that's the first thing they said they were yeah. like these crazy bones clock in at about 15 <laughs> feet per minute that's what they said lo and behold it was just a big old game of crazy bones 
And we finally know now. It always is a big old game of Crazy Bones. It huh? always comes down that's, to a big old game of Crazy Bones. That's life. Yeah, that is life. That is In a life. world where Earth is only a big old game of Crazy Bones. No, Joel, it's more like a big old game. Of, wait, I lost it. No, never mind. <laughs> Shit, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> never mind. Great. <laughs> You can't see, bail on a bit like that, I see dude. a big old game of crazy bones. Oh, shit. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, we'll be back in a couple seconds. Experts. All right, we're back, I guess. Uh, Chris. Yeah, what? What are you going uh, to talk about this time? So um, I want to talk about the lowest rated movie in the history of Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, wait, you have to let us guess. That's a sure. thing? You, you can each guess. Uh, is this, do you think we'd be able to guess Absolutely it? not. Oh, no. okay. I've never heard of it before in my life. Oh, all right. Oh, man. Yeah, but I had never heard of Sliding Rocks and you guys had. All right, well, all right. let's give it, give it a shot. Is it? Okay. Is it? Oh, all right. I, I, I have two guesses. Yeah, yeah. My first guess, you guys remember that movie Cats and Dogs? Oh, No, yes. dude, that's sitting at at least a 40%. No, wow. that's not it. Really? Okay. You think so? Yeah. Okay, here's a hint. It's okay. it's at 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, oh, that's a great hint. I, that's okay. what I'm saying. You ever heard of that movie Cats, Cats and Dogs? <laughs> yes, I, I had it on DVD, and I'm telling you it's I'm at sorry. least 40%. All right. Okay, is it 1998's Meet the Deedles? <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> Damn it. Isn't that movie G-Force with all the guinea pigs? Oh, yeah. What's that hamster <laughs> no. movie? No, it's not. There, are no, not there are no hamsters movie? in this oh, movie. Oh, there's none? Shit. Not even a one? Not, not even a um, one. Well, then I can't guess it. <laughs> Joel, you got to guess? Uh, is Does it involve the Power Rangers at all? No. Damn. Damn. Should we each do one more? Yeah, let's go around again. I feel again. like I can get this. <laughs> let's go around and do what do you got, Josh? Can. All right. I don't know. The worst movie I've ever seen that I walked out of is I Am Number Four. Never heard of it. Oh, uh, it was like a few years ago. I th- and it was a book too, but hmm. my God, was it a big steaming pile of dog poop <laughs> in movie form. It's not that. Fuck, dude. Without looking it up, Joel, I'm seeing you typing on your phone over there. No, I want to I wanna see. I'm, I'm, con- I'm concerned with what might be the worst movies of all time. And there's a date list. So like it's by date usually. It's by year. So like worst movies of, the, of each like generation basically so it's it's hard it's really hard uh, and there's I, a lot of bad movies man yeah we're not gonna be able to guess this That's y'all yeah. we're I, not I, would you I, like is me to it, wait <laughs> is it also 1998's jack frost no oh god that was so <laughs> fucking bad can we all right hit me with a hint let's try some hints oh my god can what I does just, it involve can I just tell you yeah, it's just my tell topic us, just tell us Come okay on. it's called <laughs> ballistic colon X versus Sever. No, it's not. Oh, there's a hamster no, in that. Not. There's a yes, hamster in that there's for sure. One at least. I know there's that like film, You know that movie? Yeah. That's Joel's Did favorite you, have movie. Have you seen it? No. Uh, no. <laughs> because I have. I watched it when I researched this. You watched this. that for research? That's I watched so it. Good. I paid $3 to watch <gasps> it. Too. You have $3? You paid money yeah. for the worst movie of all time? Yeah. So I went on, so I went on to iTunes thinking that I was going to buy it. It would not let me buy it. It's not an option to buy this movie on iTunes. You Good. can only rent it. They're it doing was you like, a favor. Yeah, it was like, trust us. You yeah. don't want it. Like, you can only rent this. it for $3. And uh, <laughs> I did. You only rent it. <laughs> I did. That's so it's fucking and weird. It's Wait, weird. how long do you have it for, though? Oh, it's gone already. I, I had it for 48 hours. Wow, okay. <laughs> That's so short. That's, not, yeah. that's actually a long time, considering... You didn't tell any of us, you jerk. Yeah. 
You could have well, done it like yesterday. <laughs> um, I uh, I could not get through the whole thing in one sitting. I had to come back to it. <laughs> like because you had something else to do, or because you no, I, I could it. not. I could not do oh, it. Man. Is it is it one of those movies that's really long? It's like seven no, and a half it's hours. It's like it's like ninety minutes long, and there is that's nothing. That's, yeah, there is on average one uh, vehicle exploding this can't every be the ten. Worst minutes. movie. Oh, no. no, it is. So can I can I get into more about what the movie is? Because we've been going on for like five minutes, and I haven't gotten to any of the shit that I want to say about. Okay, it yet. fine. Go ahead. So um. So, okay, so it's the worst reviewed film in the history of Rotten Tomatoes. It's at a 0%, which is actually, there's a lot of movies at 0%, but this one has the most ratings. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. No, yeah, yeah it really earned uh, so, that okay, zero. So, yeah. That's what I was going to say, is that, like, this movie had some of the most badass trailers, I think, like in a lot in a while. Like, I, I, like can, so I can see, I can see how, because it, it's, a, it's an action movie. And Did you the already plot, give us a year? Sorry? Did oh, you two, get- 2002. Oh, okay. Um, It's an action movie, but the plot exists purely to make an action movie. Like, they just wanted a bunch of action scenes, and then they were like, well, we have to string these together somehow. And they came up with the most bare bones. But I mean, that's not necessarily plot. a problem because, like, uh, what's it, what's it, what's his face? Keanu Reeves. Uh, well, Keanu Reeves is not in this movie. No, John. no, I know, but he's in he's in that he's movie. In the Matrix. That, yeah. Not that one. The guy, the guy that did the music for the Matrix, oh, the did Matrix the music too. for this movie as well. What? Yeah, and they, it still got that bad. Which, yeah, okay. So let me There's tell you, let point. me tell you the ingredients that make the worst movie ever. Mm. So it stars Antonio Banderas, that, uh, oh. known primarily for Spy Kids. Yeah, and uh, he's the boots. voice of Puss in Boots, and he was the bad Zorro, guy in uh, the second SpongeBob movie, uh, Zorro. And uh, then it also Zorro. stars Lucy Liu. Who is known oh, as well, uh, woman number sense. three in Home Improvement, <laughs> um, former girlfriend in Jerry Maguire, and the voice of Alex from Charlie's Angels Full Throttle in the upcoming Space Jam 2. And that's all she's known for. And um, <laughs> <laughs> it was directed by, oh boy, Wyke Kausayananda. He goes by Chaos. Oh, oh no. um, of course he does. How, how does yeah. he spell chaos? Uh, K-A-O-S. Good. Please. All right. Yes. No. <laughs> oh, I my gosh. So the music, the music was by Don Davis, who did the music for The Matrix. And I knew it when I listened to the, like, when I watched this movie, I was like, this, it's like industrial rap rock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was like, like this, this is, is the, the Matrix. Matrix. And it totally was. Was it his first movie that he made or the director? Um. Yes. Uh, no. It was not his first movie. He he doesn't make movies anymore. It was his last <laughs> movie. After this, no, no. It wasn't. It wasn't his last. He's made like he made like four movies. There was this two I've never heard of and Tekken two. Nice. Um, Yo. So I'd watch that movie. Um. The cinematographer was uh Julio Macat, who he also was a cinematographer for the Home Alone movies, for Ace Ventura and for the Nutty Professor. Okay. And uh, it was edited by Jay Cassidy, who edited Into the Wild and An Inconvenient Truth. So when you put all this stuff wow. together, it's what not a good hell? thing. No, these are very disparate forces yeah. all joining. Can I just say? Can I just say that like Keanu Reeves? Okay, the movie that I was looking for was John Wick. In John Wick, like they, the whole premise of that movie is like some punks kill his dog. Hence, that's a much better plot than the plot of this. That's movie. like the, but it's the most like action movie action for the sake of action plot that it can exist. Maybe sure. it's, let me just let me just murder but is this it, dog. But is it good action? Scene. Is Joel, it good action? I, think, yeah, I also solid. think like John Wick is very self aware. Like it's make it it knows what it's doing and it's 
Well, you know, I mean, with a movie called X versus Sever, directed by a guy named Chaos, I really hope they know. I don't what know. They're Maybe <laughs> no, they don't. I think they thought they were making a great movie. So let like, me give you a little oof. bit of a plot synopsis. So again, I I, I had to watch it like kind of like two times and not all in one sitting. You did to watch really it two to times. really not fully no, but like to really figure out what was going on because they kind of you, you jump in it a full two times you'd be dead. So. You, you jump in. There's there's a little boy who is. Uh, He gets picked up from the airport. He gets off his own private jet, gets picked up from the airport by his mom, and then she drives home, and then this wimpy beta cuck gets out of the car behind (laughs) her, and he's like, I'm taking your son. I'm bringing him to your husband. Then she's like, no, my husband, no. And then he kidnaps her son. She does nothing about it. She kind of like shakes her fist at them angrily and they, they kidnap her son. Is there a sex scene son. in this movie? No, no, of course not. What the fuck? There's no time, Joel. There's so much action oh, to get out on, of the chaos. way. Chaos, give me oh, some fucking bone at least. There's no action so far. Well, okay, I'll get there. That guy and his henchmen kidnap this kid to bring the kid to his father, which is apparently a bad thing, but we don't really know why. They don't tell us that. But then on the way, there's a car on the side of the road that explodes. That's the first car explosion in the movie out of of at least nine. And then Lucy Liu is there, and she beats up all the henchmen and then kidnaps the kid again herself. Yes. Lucy Liu does not say a word until 21 minutes into this movie. Yes. And she, she, like actively participates in two action scenes and 21 minutes of movie until she says one word and that word is run and then she doesn't say anything else for another 10 minutes yeah because lucy loop you gotta pay her by the word wait what are her (laughs) motives for taking the kid they don't get to her motives until like 45 minutes what are her motives for doing this movie so the kid lucy lose let me tell you let me tell you so uh the father that the kid was being taken to he's a bad guy yeah, he's the I bad guy. Gathered and that. the that guy Wait, is he X or Sever? He's neither. Oh, okay, cool. So that guy, he was using his son, he smuggled into the country, which is Canada, by the way. It takes place in Vancouver. Um I know, right? Who knew? Um he uses his son to smuggle in like a nanotechnology robot that is in the, the kid's bloodstream. Basically, you can hit a button and it'll just kill the person that it's inside of. Yeah. And he's using his own son to smuggle it into the country, even though it's like a nanotechnology. You can smuggle that in anything. Classic you don't need to put it in your own son. But if you could, you totally would, Chris. Of course, of course I would. You know where he's coming from. Lucy Liu used to work for this guy, and this guy killed her son for some reason. So anyway, so Lucy Liu is Sever. Antonio Banderas is X. Oh. And it's, it's called X versus Sever. And they do Wait, fight so each other kids, a number of times. Gonna, and who's Antonio Banderas? X. Is he the <laughs> no, father? No, no, I know. <laughs> he, he gets hired. He's, he's an ex-FBI agent, and he his wife is dead. Oh, and then he Jesus learns Christ. that his oh, wife is actually not dead. His old boss tells him, wait, no, she's alive. And he's like, why wouldn't you tell me? And then he's like, I would have told you if I knew sooner. And then he instantly uses it as leverage to get him to go back into the FBI to do one more job, which is to track down Sever. And then they fight a bunch of times, and then they realize that they both want to kill the the father uh his name's like gant or something who plays that guy i don't know some okay. white guy so somebody is not yeah. yeah so he's not important he's not important <laughs> who did i have one more question yes did you write a review for this movie on Rotten Tomatoes? no this is my review <laughs> okay so, how, um, how many tomatoes do you give it zero okay so <laughs> it's not 
how many tomatoes? <laughs> <laughs> um, Two tomatoes way up. <laughs> so, so check this shit out, though. In the middle of the movie, there's still like 45 minutes of movie left. Lucy Liu removes the microchip from the kid. Not so where I thought that How? was going. With just like this machine that removes Does microchips. Does she oh, yeah, like movie. fucking... No, she, like, she uh, like unpeels a band-aid from his arm and gets it out from under the band-aid. Yeah, that's the removomatic. Yeah. Total recall, total recall. Why can't so, I think of movies tonight? So not only, not only is there... It's great. That's not it. That's yeah, not what happens. Of course they didn't do that scene. They would have got more tomatoes. So, <laughs> so not only is there no more stakes because the kid's going to be fine, he's not going to die anymore. And then we find out, you know, he, uh, Antonio Banderas X is told that his wife is still alive. Turns out his wife is the wife of the bad guy. It's the oh. same woman, but he thought she was dead and she thought he was dead. Oh, and then they classic. just went on with their lives for seven years, not knowing about that, even though they live in the same city. So they both think that they're dead and then they re-meet each other. It's not romantic at all. They're just like, oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. We love well, each other. They both have moved on. And then it turns out the kid is actually the son of Antonio Banderas and this woman, not that woman and oh the other God. guy. Oh my God, so X versus Se- X, X Sever are the parents? No, 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 no. Sever is Lucy Liu. She's not one of the parents. Okay, so X- She's a third party. X and the woman whose name I don't remember because it's not important because so I don't really tell you. No, so no, 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 no. Not an affair. She thinks Antonio Banderas is dead. He thinks she's dead. So she's like, I'm going to marry this guy now, this chump. But then it turns out the son is actually Antonio Banderas's son, somehow. Oh. And the kid is white, and Antonio Banderas is Antonio Banderas. He's Spanish. And then the, the woman is played by a Puerto Rican woman. And it's a white kid. And that doesn't make and any sense. the movie sense. just doesn't care. The well, movie like, does not care. Yeah, that, I like sure. that that's the part for you that where they just No, there's so you. many. You like, like, I have a list of things. You were things. like, I bought everything. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm not reading. I'm not reading. This is just me, just hatred, just spewing out. Yeah, like, I'm not, I'm not reading like anything that I wrote a, down. a really passionate rant. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, so here's, here's the thing. Wanna, no, we, we should just definitely state that Chris has literally not opened his iPad once. He's, this is all from memory, folks. This is just straight out of the dome of the entire film. There is uh, a strange obsession with cars backing up in this movie. Uh, Like, you see cars going in reverse more than you see cars going forward. And for, like, stupid, not like in cool action scenes where they're, like, backing up and driving backwards and Limp Bizkit is playing. No, not that. It's like... There's three cars driving into a hangar where there's a there's a helicopter, and for some reason, all three of them are backing into the hangar from like a, wa- a ways away. Like they're <laughs> the driving, just sitting there, like jacking off, like oh yeah, yeah fucking. Back they're off, driving jack- backwards. Back they're not backing in. They're driving backwards. There's like an establishing shot, and there's just a car just backing up. And it like stops at a stop sign Again, and then chaos. keeps going. Chaos in the background. Yes, you yeah, fucking reverse. Chaos just, yeah, oh, he was like reverse. He was like, "This is gonna be my thing that I'm known for." He, people are gonna yeah. hire me to direct their movies about backing cars up. A guy gets shot, and his response is, "Oh, that's the exact noise he made." <laughs> that's it. I practiced that. That's the exact noise that he makes when he gets shot. He goes, "Oh," and he falls on the ground. Does he die? No, he had a he had a bulletproof vest on. <laughs> oh, sure, of course. There's there's excessive use of slow motion in this movie. Half of it is in slow motion. Um, but a fun fact about this: <laughs> half, 
that's the way to say that's how they're able to get it to 90 this minutes is a, long yeah, this is a 90 minute film yeah. and half of it is in slow motion yeah actually though oh um and not good slow motion like slow motion that they it wasn't filmed with a slow motion camera it's like they used iMovie and put it in slow motion so you could like see the individual frames so an actual like fun fact about this movie is it spawned a game boy advance game uh, which what? actually came out, so the studio bought the rights to this script early on in production, and the game was made and released before this movie even came out. <laughs> and it was critically acclaimed, and everyone what? loved it. And it's it's like has a legacy as like the best first person shooter on, on the Game Boy Advance, <laughs> which the Game Boy Advance is not known for. Yeah, that is and, awesome. And it's it's like f- four player first person shooter, and you could choose to play as either X or Sever. And like the game changes and you get different levels based on which one you play as. And it's like, it's like critically acclaimed. And to this day, people are like, oh, that was the best first person shooter on the Game Boy Advance. I just imagine this game developer being like, oh, fuck this fucking film. Oh my God. Yeah. I have to make this is my i want all i've wanted to ever do is make a first person shooter and my boss was like you have to do it with this movie and he's like oh fuck well no they thought it was gonna be great the movie didn't come out yet and i that's probably (laughs) yeah Yeah, they were like when they realized the movie sucked they were like we already made the game (laughs) the game's already out yeah (laughs) they saw the rotten tomatoes view and they're like ah son of a bitch the game was out before the movie went into production (laughs) wow um (laughs) wow was, yeah, somebody just loved that script, which you know, sounds games, like it was just like explosion, another explosion. Yeah. Yeah. Slow motion explosion with the car reversing in the Though, background. I will say there's one redeeming quality where I was watching this movie and I rewound it to watch this part again. There's a guy, Lucy Lou snipes this guy off of the roof of like a parking garage and he falls down and lands on the roof of a car and the camera follows him falling down and landing on top of the car in slow motion. And it's like you're looking down at him as if you're also falling off the top of this building. And you're both just going down and you're watching him just fall well, you for like 45 seconds. Not, he was shot. You loved that Yeah, part. he was shot and then he fell off and right, you watch like, him. You don't need to like follow a dead body off the side of a bill. Like if somebody was like committing suicide, that would be a dramatic shot. You know, chaos. Yeah. If you're just gonna shoot a dude, he's dead before he hits the ground, bud. You don't need to fucking follow the dude all the way to the car. Depends the where he got shot. But you know what? They did it. Yeah, they did. And I'm really glad they did. Yeah, you right. loved that. The way you described that was so I'm, like you could see the, the light, the light in my eyes. Sounds yeah. worth it. Um, so this movie uh, it had a budget of seventy million dollars and it made nineteen point nine million oh, in the box no. office. I searched so hard to find anyone talking about this movie, and I think they all just like it came out and they all got together and they were like, "We're not going to talk about this ever again," right? Because I couldn't find like actors, directors. No one talked about it. You're like, wow. but that Game Boy game though. <laughs> yeah, the Game Boy game people still talk about to this day. So, so Chris, would you recommend anybody? at all for any reason to see this movie absolutely yeah please watch this movie okay um it seems like it's hard to get through though 
It is. Um, but you still recommend watching it. Do you yeah. do this by yourself? Yep. So like most people are like, oh, let's watch a bad movie. That's like a fun thing to do to no, make I've fun watched, of no, a movie I've watched with your plenty friends. Of bad yeah, no, this was, myself. I mean, I'll watch it with you guys, but this was just like, this was research. I was doing research <laughs> for this. <laughs> for science. You're just like, well, I guess it's work. I worked, I worked like nine hours that day and I came home and I was like, oh, I got to do my research for the podcast. And then I rented this movie and watched it and I was very upset. Honestly, I wish I could have just done that for my research <laughs> yeah well, well that was great. nice what was what was it what was it called again ballistic x versus seven i love that there's cool. a colon in the title yeah. there's, there's a colon and a versus oh my god yeah. <laughs> it's it's hard to remember that's a great title yeah, yeah i forgot it the whole time <laughs> i at no point the, do you could the i movie remember wanted i was gonna guess that is the worst one no, and no. they didn't even have a good video game is that how, well that makes the movie is, worse is that the, yeah. how you judge movies whether they have a video game based on if that them? was how yeah. i judge movies there would not be <laughs> yeah there wouldn't be any good movies <laughs> you know what would be a really good movie harry potter and chamber of secrets it already is yeah <laughs> it has a great game that would be gamecube a, game oh though. yeah you're right this is a whole other topic we're a harry into. potter podcast now <laughs> <laughs> welcome to our harry welcome potter fan cast potter podcast it would be called the podcast and a lot of people would listen to it and be disappointed. Oh, it would be called the, the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they'd be so fucking... It's <laughs> oh, yeah, just a would. literal... We just have a pot leaf in the graphic, and it's just like... <laughs> it's just about Harry Potter. People, people Sorry, be guys. Scrolling, people be kidding. scrolling through. Jesus. Wait, is it too late to scrap this pot, this podcast <laughs> and do that instead? Yeah, yes. guys, we fucked up. People yeah. would be scrolling through, and they'd be like, Oh, what is this? <sighs> Harry Potter bullshit. I don't know. I feel like a lot of stoners like Harry Potter, though. Yeah, they wouldn't be disappointed. They yeah. would just be like, they'd be like, you know what? We got to shift gears, but that's okay. Yeah, well, I, I guess. <laughs> uh, um, point for Caitlin. We'll be right back. Ooh. Hi, friends. This is Brookie. Please send your topic suggestions to one out of four experts at gmail.com. Please send help. They will not let me leave this studio. Thanks. Welcome back. Joel, give me the give me the news. Give me the 411. Okay. I got it. I got it, guys. Yeah. Yep. I got a question. Mm-hmm. Why is a rifle like a typewriter? Why is a raven what? like a writing desk? That's not what I said, Caitlin, <laughs> but thanks for doing that all the way. Uh... Why? Why is a rifle? Why is a rifle like not how a typewriter? Why? No, no. It was it was a riff on the on the Alice in Wonderland. She got it. She did the thing. She did. I should just move on. Kaylin gets a point. Here we go. So the reason I won't argue with that. We type on a QWERTY keyboard is most likely due to popularity of a Remington Number Two typewriter. The same guys that make. Guns. Gun. They made the guns. The same inventors of the gun. The gun. Yeah, they make the gun. So this was a typewriter made and perfected by E. Remington and Sons in 1878. Okay. So these boys, they invented rifles. Um, they didn't invent rifles. <laughs> That's not what happened. Uh, take uh, a point away from Joel, please. Yeah, Joel, Joel minus, minus one point for me. Minus then. one point from Joel. I messed. I'm not the expert in your own on topic. That is no, rough. no. Yeah, well, that is rare to lose points. The topic. The topic, topic is the QWERTY keyboard, not rifles. Uh, can I? So I thought the QWERTY keyboard. I thought the reason it was like that is because they put the most used uh, letters. Oh, I'll get to that towards the second. Okay. I'll get to that, and I hope I get to that because I honestly don't remember. 
So basically, Remington and Sons, they invented this typewriter um, and they perfected this, this keyboard style that started out from a different company. But uh, first, I want to go into a little bit of history of the Remington company real quick. So the company originally sold, obviously, exclusively rifle barrels. They actually didn't even do whole rifles. They just did the barrels. And then they ended up purchasing the rights to Scholes and Glyden Dr. typewriters. And I, I don't know if it's... I got those pups on my feet yeah, right Yeah, I'm pretty now. sure it's Scholes, nice. Scholes and Glyden. The, the typewriter, um, that their design, they purchased it. And they broke into the typewriter biz in 1873. So they, they we're were going to break into the typewriter biz. Exactly. I don't know. Wait, so <laughs> did they break in the front door or the back door of oh the typewriter God. biz? We're not going to. Let's not. Hey, Joel, there. keep talking. We won't. Remington protected you. the place with the gun. <laughs> Ooh, is that <laughs> what happened, Joel? Tell they, us. They is that what happened? The one rifle. <laughs> and they, yeah, no, no. So they rearranged the keyboard layout from like a strange accordy. It was like cordy esque, but it was Q W E dot T Y. So cordy. Oh, is, when did they invent R? Okay, so R was already there, just not in that placement. So they moved the R up to where the. So you're saying the they I had is. the letter R. R was there. They, there's a lot of theories as to Still why. Twenty six letters in the alphabet. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Pretty much the identical layout that we use now is the one that they invented, right? So they bought this typewriter in 1873, and then they started selling it, and they didn't really like perfect it until about 1878. And what were they using before? Just like alphabetical? No, no, no. They they still had like a QWERTY esque thing going on. Oh, okay, it just I wasn't. See. Um, if you if you look this up, there's like there's a bunch of layouts that like slowly shift over the 1800s from like weird alphabetical layouts to like yeah normal more normal looking keyboards as in normal as in QWERTY keyboards and it it has a lot to do with how keys need to be laid out in order for the mechanisms that allow them to function in a typewriter don't run into each other. Oh, so okay. the reason why a keyboard is laid out at the angle that it's laid out in is literally because of the the lever actions underneath the keys that would bump into each other and cause like jamming. Huh. So there's two types of jams on a on a on a typewriter, right? Strawberry can... and grape. Point for Chris. Nope. Oh, shit. I just want to point you guys. So uh, um deaf and poetry. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I don't even need a second one. That was a good joke. Point for Caitlin. <laughs> She t- you can't get no, points. No, hang on, no. <laughs> I, w- I no. won't give us a point. Strike the point from the record. So you get jams. Did you call yourself the- us? Are you Gollum and Smeagol? <laughs> <laughs> Caitlin won't give us a point. No, she's Caitlin and the, and the British guy. Oh, <laughs> Caitlin and Michael and, and Caine. Michael Caine, yeah. Okay, wait, we don't want to make Michael Caine canon. She can be any, any fucking British person she wants. It's usually know. Michael Caine, I though. Think I, Michael Caine. Caine. I gotta Caine. be Michael honest. Caine. I think right, Michael right. Caine would be flattered. <laughs> So you can jam the keys at the point where they, where the lever connects at the key, and they jam up where the actual like ink part hits the paper. I don't know what they call that. I didn't look into that. Uh, the ink stamp. Whatever. No, it's probably, what do you call it on a keyboard? Or, <laughs> or like a piano, I mean. Sure. The it's not hammer. a hammer. I feel, yeah, I feel like it's the same thing, right? It's not. There's it's a name for it. It's not the hammer? I'm pretty sure there was a name for it. I just wasn't, I didn't note it. Wow, you really did a lot of good research there, Joel. Yeah, you're fucking welcome. 
Chris watched a whole movie tw- five times. He watched I've, the worst movie twice. He kept yeah. watching it on a loop I can't compete all with week that. for you. I paid to watch it. I could over have and over I could again. have watched it in segments on YouTube because it's there. Guys, can we focus on keyboards for like a second? Uh, I'm just really sorry that I keep doing that, you guys. <laughs> Jesus Christ. When the gas Smells. wants to get out, you, you can't keep it in. As Shrek would always say, better out than I mean, in. I always, yeah. Joel, get back on topic. Uh, yeah, stop doing <laughs> We're trying this. to talk about keyboards. Yeah, we've been trying to, to talk to you about keyboards I was going to say, this whole time. cue the Smash Mouth and the Guy Fieri memes. Uh, we'd have to pay like 30 bucks to get the rights to that song. Yeah. So, uh, Cordy used to be QWE period TY. That's what it used to be. So, so the top, the top left corner of the keyboard is where they start the names of these things. Mm-hmm. The uh, the Remington Number Two. The reason why it became so popular and the why it's still the most current keyboard layout you, has to do mostly with the idea that they one they perfected the mechanism so that it didn't jam very much. Two, they also developed like this the the shift feature so that you could do capital letters. Okay. So you could switch, you could hold shift and, and type the same letters and get capitals, which was pretty fucking dope. Some notable uh, differences in uh, typewriter versus like a normal computer keyboard. They were manufactured without the number one and without the number zero. And without the letter R. Well, no, the R was still fucking A, Chris. <laughs> there was still an R. It just wasn't in the same fucking place. Where was it then? Yeah. Oh, God damn it. You're going to make me look it up right now? Well, yeah, uh, you, yeah. you should have that information Where ready. I'm going to read off the whole fucking keyboard just yeah. for Chris. Oh, yeah. Here please. we go. So again, no ones, no zeros. So from the top, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, dash, comma. Ooh. I, don't ask. Q, W, E, period, T, Y, I, U, O, P. That sounds correct. Next the line. Period, right? And the UI is switched. Next oh. line. Z, S, D, F, G, H, J, K, L, M. Next line. A, X. And a symbol. Ooh. Ampersand, you mean? Point for Chris. God damn it. I mean, that's you know keyboard what? knowledge. Fuck it. So you I can have like that point. Yeah. Hell yeah. Right. C-V-B-N question mark semicolon the letter R. Whoa. What are you doing over there, bud? Bring it up and the rear. Also, what would they the do rear if they, R for rear. If they needed to type a one. So they would use the, uh, <laughs> they would use either a capital letter I or a lowercase L. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And it literally like the only the only excuse they got is because flat out, yeah, cost. They were like, oh, it costs more on maintenance and it costs more on production. So I do actually deserve a point for that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I would that is a one hundred percent a legitimate point for Chris. So wait, so one or two points for Chris? This is two at this point. Oh wow. He got the ampersand because whatever reason I didn't decide I wanted to say it. All right, cool. (laughs) I think you didn't know what it was. Okay, you are like an asshole. <laughs> and now we'll never know. And now we'll never, you'll never know. Um, a one, a two. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no ones, no zeros. Also, the C and the X keys were reversed, which I just kind of noted that there's a bunch of other stuff too. Yeah. There was, I was going to say, along with a few other things, but guess what? Yeah, you got the now gist. we know all of the things. So, Many. some, here we go, some quick facts. It's a common myth that the QWERTY layout was actually designed to slow down typing, but in fact, 
It was designed to prevent typewriter jams, like I said. Mm. So it actually sped up typing because the fact that typewriters were jammed so fucking much that they just moved a bunch of letters that were most commonly used away from each other. So that way you actually have to like... Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's the opposite of what I heard. Also, studies have shown that placing the most often used keys further away from each other actually speeds up your typing because it forces you to alternate hands. Mm. Yeah. Ergonomic. Yeah. Not really. But the diagonal slant (laughs) is a leftover from when the key mechanisms used to lock together, like I was talking about. So, like, they would Like the gallbladder. Right. So... So what about those weird ass actual ergonomic keyboards where they're oh, split into? Oh yeah, I'm gonna get four gonna different get there. sections. I don't really explain them very well because there's nobody can explain those very well. But I'll give you. I'm not gonna lie, I don't know what we're talking about. I'll give you a point for bringing them up. Yeah, how about that? Because we, have we haven't given enough fucking points in this episode. Yet. We have one of those at work actually. I, I think it's solely just to be comfortable on your hands. Oh, they yeah, look so literally awesome. ergonomic. You don't have. I, a, I hate it. I you hate don't it. have the ones I'm. I'm gonna talk about. Because I've seen the ones that you're talking about where they have, like, it's two sides split and there's just, like, yes. kind of a bump. Yeah. No, no, no. We're talking about, like, concave pockets oh, no. of keyboard where you dip your hands into it. And the keys are lined up in a perfect straight vertical grid. Ooh. And I'll get to that in a second. Wait, can we find me a picture of what you're talking about? Oh, we're going to find some pictures. No, of the ergonomic one. Oh, the regular ergonomic one? Yeah. The regular ergonomic keyboards just got like kind of a bump in the middle, and the keyboards divide. It's the exact same chordy uh, layout. It just except like for divided, it's split like... down the middle and angled out instead of going straight across. There's just a hump in the middle that's slightly raised, and the two sides slant down away from the bump in the middle. And those two sides, it splits the home row, so that way your left and right hands are kind of like at a nice resting position. See, what I don't like about it, though, is there are some keys that I would normally hit with my right hand and vice versa that are like, like the ones I'd hit with my like my right thumb are solely on the left side. So yeah. I'm, I'll be typing, so let me, trip me up. Let me get into this a little bit because it turns out that the majority of words can actually be typed with just your left hand, which is one of the arguments against the Cordy design because most of us are right-handed. So why would you make it so left-hand heavy? Well, think about uh, like a guitar player. When, when they're right-handed, oh, they, yeah, do, true. they do the fretting hand, all Very the, true. the tiny motor skills with the, their non-dominant I think, hand. Yeah, that, that has something to do with the, with the left and right brain, though, more than anything, I think. And like when I solve a Rubik's Cube one hand, I use my left. Right. No, left. Oh god my god. Fucking damn it. Hey I hate myself. <laughs> Somebody shoot Josh. Call yes. X and Sever in here and Oh, do you want me to get the gun? I would let, <laughs> I would totally please? let Lucy Lou shoot me. <laughs> Can you please get the only rifle invented by I think me? we'd all let Lucy Lou shoot us. Or just me. Just we'll, all we'll of you be right let back. Lucy Lou shoot me. <laughs> Wait a second. Wait a second. I'm not done. What else have we got? Oh, oh, that, yeah, no, we're right into the uh, the ergonomic keyboard. So there's a keyboard called the Kinesis ergonomic keyboard, and then there's another one called the Type Matrix keyboards, and th- both of those are arranged in perfect vertical straight columns rather than the, uh, the the weird angled layout that we get because of the old typewriter style. So those are supposed to be better for like finger reach, so you're, you don't have to like do weird angles and shit. Yeah. When the first word processors were developed, it was only natural to make these functions like a typewriter because obviously the technology was advancing and they're like, you're already using all these typewriters. Everybody knows how to type on a typewriter. Let's just make it look like a typewriter. So they did that. So there's a bunch of variants internationally on the Cordy design. But the most common alternatives are th- something called the uh, Dvorak 
keyboard, which is not named based on any kind of like like keys layouts, like how the Cordy is named. It's actually named for the guys. That's a name. That's somebody's name. Okay. Oh. Oh. Uh, so Dvorak uh, patented in 1936 by August Dvorak. What a name um, on that guy. And uh, he simplified the keyboard, and it's literally dubbed the simplified keyboard. Claims it requires less finger motion and uh, reduced errors, just cool. in general. There was also the French Azerty, Azerty, and then there's the German Quartz, Q-W-E-R-T-Z, and then the Portuguese have something called uh, the H-SAR, and that one is defined as like H separate from the rest of the so H-C-E-S-A-R, and then the Russians have something called the Yukin, or the Jukin, or J-C-U-K-E-N. I like Jukin. Yeah, the Yukin. <laughs> Juk McGuppin. Jukin, I don't know, I don't know, that sounds like it was a, a thing that's been said before. I think you're thinking of Shunt McGuppin. That's exactly a, what I'm thinking of. on Super Ego. <laughs> oh my god, why was that in my head? <laughs> Super Ego's great, so... Yeah, shit, I, I thought it was something way more I knew exactly mainstream what you were than saying. that. Oh, jeez, sorry. <laughs> Shout out to Shunt McGuppin. <laughs> we love you, Shunt. I don't know what any of that means. Yeah, either. sorry, That's that was my bad. I, should, I, I did not know the origins of what I was saying. So... That's pretty much it, y'all. All right. Those are, that's why we got QWERTY keyboards. Cool. I actually learned something. Yeah, that's, and that's the kind of thing I'm like really interested well, in. You also like, knew two things, Chris. That's true. <laughs> I mean, I know a lot of things, you guys. Y'all should take some time to look at some cool keyboards, because... I think I will. It's totally wild. Also, consider using a Dvorkian keyboard and give it a shot. I like, won't. Um, <laughs> it's, it, it's like that. one of those cool things where you can just kind of like show up to work one day and be like y'all can't use my keyboard because it's totally fucked yeah that would make you really cool joel yeah <laughs> these are the things that i think are cool thanks guys i love showing up with shit that pe- other people can't use or understand how are we getting out of this uh we- we'll probably be right back i guess So we decided we were going to do another one for you, and it's going to be Josh doing this one. And here we go. Josh, please. One more song. One more song. All right. This is going to be a pretty long song, but here we go. Uh, at, some point, at some point or another, we've all probably been to a ski resort. Nope. Chris, you've never been to a ski resort? I have never done any winter sports or most Dude, sports. I grew up Caitlin, have you, you've never been to a ski resort? Yeah, I mean, I, I grew up in Minnesota, so I have been to a ski resort. Sure. All right. Well, Chris. Yeah. Do you I've, know what a ski resort looks like? I've seen pictures. I've been to uh, water parks that uh, function as ski resorts in the wintertime, but are water parks in the summertime. Yeah. All right. So to get to the top of the hill, Chris, because uh, you've never been to a ski resort, you've got to take, you take a ski lift. Yeah, no, I've, I've been on a, real, a rail. If it's a real big mountain, yeah, you take a So a I have tram. been on a ski lift at the water park. Uh, so when you're going up the lift hill, sometimes you might pass over like a terrain park and it's got rails and some jumps and maybe a half pipe or something. And some of the jumps Wait, so can get kind of big. I love how Josh like just loves to lead in like this where we cannot figure out yeah, what the fuck lifts. topic yeah, he's going to say. Is it ski lifts? Is it ski resort? Is it terrain park? I was like, no, I'm supposed to learn about ski lifts. Am I getting to grind some rails? Sorry that we're not learning about ski lifts It's got to be something deadly. Josh's topic is shred the gnar. My topic is 
coming up after this next sentence. Oh. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So you're going up and you're looking at the terrain park and some of those jumps are pretty big, but nothing you'd encounter at any typical ski resort has shit on the mega ramps used in ski flying. Oh, Jesus. Ski flying? Ski flying. Is, wait, is that where you go off a ski jump and then you go really far and then you land? Is it an Olympic sport? Is it jumping out no. of a helicopter so, and landing and then skiing? So, Caitlin, Olympic sport would be ski jumping. So, ski flying is distinct from ski flying. jumping. It's, I feel like you fly a little bit, though. When you, you do fly a little bit. You fly a little <laughs> you bit. You feel like you're flying. But there is uh, there are some important distinctions between just ski jumping and ski flying. So, ski flying is essentially a more extreme version of regular old ski jumping, where a skier gains as much speed as possible before launching off a ramp and aims to jump the greatest possible distance. And that's kind of the same goal for both ski jumping and ski flying. Say, that sounds like ski jumping. Is there but, uh, <laughs> ski, ski that flying, like jumping. But ski flying is on like a scale pretty much twice the size of typical ski jumping. Is what it ski fuck? flying or is it ski falling with style? We'll be right back. <laughs> you can't just do that every time. <clears throat> anyway, um, ski jumping uh, originated in Norway, and the first ever recorded ski jump record was set by Olaf Rye. Olaf was a Danish military officer as well as an avid ski enthusiast. And one day he wanted to show off his dope skiing skills and he performed a jump in front of an audience. And he managed to uh, fling himself a whopping nine and a half meters or 31 feet. Damn. 31 feet, inadvertently creating a new competitive sport. However, uh, formal competitions with prizes and the like didn't uh, begin until 1866. So it was like another 60 years before it really caught on. Um, and uh, Sandre Norheim, who was a skiing innovator, he invented like some different styles of uh, Nordic skiing. And he, he earned the first official ski jumping uh, gold medal victory in, uh, in 1866. Can anybody do a Norwegian accent? Can't handle it. I can. Caitlin probably yeah, can. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit like this. It's like, Oh, I almost skied that ramp over there. We need to take a week off from this accent because <laughs> yeah. if we do it every time, people are going to stop listening real quick. I think quick, I've had I enough of it. So, yeah. So hey, wait, it's like this. It's more like, uh, hey, I'm ski uh, flying over here. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that's, that's what it is. So, so since the inception of I'm ski, sorry, Norway. <laughs> since the inception of ski jumping, engineers have built hills uh, for jumping on a much larger scale, um, and ski jumping really turned into ski flying on March fifteenth in nineteen thirty six in Planica, Slovenia, when the Austrian skier Josef Bradl uh, landed a jump in excess of 100 meters. Holy shit. So bumping up from 9 meters to 100 meters. Also worth noting, he was just 18 years old when he jumped that, uh, and his jump measured at 101.5 meters. So how did he do that? Or 333 feet. What did he do differently? Now walk us through it. So, uh, walk oh. us through that day. Well, I don't know about that day in particular, but I'm going to get into all the mechanics uh, of how they can jump such great distances. But he jumped nearly 10 times the distance that Olaf jumped back in 1808. So current records make that 333 foot jump look like jump change. So the actual world record uh, was set in 2017 by Stefan Kraft, who was this uh, little Austrian dude. And uh, he set the current world record by jumping 253 and a half meters or 832 feet. Yeah, I would not have said 800 feet. 832 feet. Nope, just have a said jump. It. Um, 
Now, that, like that's that's a crazy distance for just flying through the air and landing. Uh, so the big difference between ski jumping and ski flying is that ski flying is just bigger ski jumping. They use bigger ramps and they go faster. Do um, they wear different like outfits? Do they wear like squirrel a little... suits? Yeah, they do they wear, wear a squirrel they suit? They do not. Are oh. the skis they do not. different? The skis are uh, different from typical skis you would wear if you were just like going down a mountain. But are they um, the same as if you were ski jumping? I think so, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in general, they're much longer than skis that you would typically use. Mm-hmm. And the bindings are further toward the back. Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting. And they use a, uh, a Norwegian style binding. So your heel actually isn't fixed to the ski, but mm-hmm. your toe is. Oh, and man. that allows them to lean forward like off of the telemark. skis when, yeah. yeah, like when they're yeah telemark joel gets a point for that word telemark telemark skis are what's up yeah so um there there's a bunch about telemark skiing so that guy i mentioned uh earlier uh sandra norheim he invented telemark skiing yo um it's pretty dope that's basically like you take a combination of like cross-country skiing and downhill skiing and you make telemark skiing so it's like hiking slash it's like when you hike up a mountain without a lift and then you ski down that mountain. That's telemark skiing. Basically, it's one yeah. stop shopping. Yeah, <laughs> but it was, yeah. it was also necessary for Except for transport harder. in the in that country. Oh yeah, because um, like that was how they got around in the winter. Like you needed skis because yeah, the why, snow was like, so deep. A lot of winter sports originated from that part of the world, and mm-hmm. they're all like, "Do this, but on skis. Do this, but." Also wearing skis, uh, shoot a rifle, but also ski. <laughs> so a big difference between ski jumping and ski flying is ski jumping. People can actually practice in the summer. They jump on specially designed hills that are covered in like wet plastic. <laughs> yeah, I just made this. So same it's a face. it's a slip and slide. It's, it's basically a giant face. slip and slide. Yeah. Oh, okay. But ski flying is strictly a winter sport. Uh, and that's because there are only a handful of ski flying jumps in the entire world, and they only open for sanctioned events. So, so people can't they, practice ski how flying. Do you land? Can we just talk about how you land without? I'm going to get to that in just a second. I assume legs. if you're in the air for that long, you're dying upon impact. Yeah, right, you're just done. So I'm going to get to all that in just a second. Um, so there have only ever been seven ski flying hills ever constructed since the 1930s um and only six of them remain in use and of those six five of them are in europe and one of them is in michigan uh but the only five that get used in competitions are all the european hills they don't use the one in michigan because it's considerably smaller than all the hills in europe so it's like go fucking big you know go yeah, home michigan like practicing on it wouldn't be super helpful for if you had to compete in the big times. Right. And even then, if it's in, I mean, in Michigan, like they still have a summer, you can only practice it still during only the winter. Ski flying hills are specially designed to maximize flight time. Any hill with a K point, which is the target landing zone, greater than 145 meters is considered a ski flying hill, not a ski jumping hill. Okay. What does the K stand for? Uh, Some, some word in a different language that I cannot pronounce sure of course um yeah so i'm just gonna call it a k-point um so there's this big hill called the in run which ends with a ramp that is actually angled downward so the ramp they launch off of is going down it's not pushing them up at all yeah so i was always under the impression that they launch upward they don't 
So what's so the just... what's the physics behind this? Uh, I'm kind of in the middle of that. So they launch <laughs> off this uh, thing, and it's called the table, that ramp they launch off of. Uh, and then they launch over the landing slope, which leads to the outrun, which is the flat part at the bottom of the slope. Mm-hmm. So they basically go fast enough to fall at the same angle of the hill. So it is falling in style. Essentially, yeah. I'm not giving you a point for that, though. Oh, yeah. Because um, <laughs> it's, it's way too controlled. Like, it's not falling. It's, it's, it's flying. The in-run has grooves, which are usually made of ceramic or porcelain, and they keep the skis pointing down the hill. So they kind of go down in these little tracks before they launch off the ramp. And athletes are scored on distance as well as style. So jumpers assume positions in the air that allow them to kind of glide through the sky, very similar to the way that skydivers can track through the air. So they kind of lean forward to have the air continue pushing them ahead. And it is kind of how flying squirrels get around, but they don't use like webbed wingsuits or anything like that. Um, In fact, they actually uh, have very strict regulations that say the clothing can't be too bad baggy a few years ago people were trying to use like right. wingsuits and well not full-on wingsuits you know but baggier do. clothes you know what you gotta do right you gotta you gotta lose a bunch of weight no just, just pull out that pull out that extra skin baby Ugh. oh my god <laughs> it's cold and some people were like kids are kids are these kids these days are wearing their flying suits too loose yeah, yeah, you gotta tighten that shit. <laughs> but it was actually really In dangerous. My day, we they used to be nice tailored flying suits that. That looked nice and professional. No, but it was it was really dangerous because people were uh, doing what's known as out jumping the hill, where they jump too far because the suit provided too much drag. So they were in the air for too long. They would fly too high, and then they would land in the flat part, and just that's like super Icarus. dangerous. <laughs> just yeah, flying too close to the sun, and your wings oh. just melt. Yeah, and uh, it's a it, you hate to see it. But this this style of flight allows them to keep really close to the hill the entire way down. So landing. They kind of land at the bottom of the hill before it gets flat, and they basically just glide along the curvature of the slope, which is how they. So it's a hill the whole time. It's just a hill the whole time. Basically, you're you're like slowly. The hill just meets you. Essentially, yes. The hill jumps you. Yeah, in (laughs) in Norway. But judges score style based on flight posture and landing. So skiers need to keep the skis still, like as still and as symmetrical as possible in the air. And they also need to maintain minimum arm movement. So they got to just like lock into a position and stay there. So people aren't doing like varial McTwists. No. Okay. There there are no tricks or anything. That's like that that pose that you see like ski jumpers. Yeah. Yeah, and it's kind of changed over the years. They used to do, like, parallel skis, and then the arms outstretched to the side. But the modern technique is to point or make, like, a V with the skis. So the skis kind of meet at your heels Mm. and uh, keep your arms stretched back and, like, fingers extended to create as much drag as possible. And you're getting knocked around by air currents and stuff, too. And, like, little pockets of warmer air can really bump a, a ski flight like you could see it in the skis it, it's pretty n- nuts and they need to perform what's known as a telemark landing and when they land they have to land with one foot in front of the other and the feet need to be about shoulder width apart back straight and arms straight out to the sides if you don't land like that 
you get points deducted um, and it looks real old timey and they have to hold that position until they finish the outrun so the the slope totally flattens out must be really cool to see people land these things because they're yeah. like flying forever and then yeah. they're just so like gracefully float down it looks really the, really really cool and you're saying wild. it's really hard to practice then how how do people how do people do it? So the people that are more into ski flying are also like professional regular ski jumpers. And the few times a year that ski flying hills are available, like that's their job basically to be there. Um, and it's a very small list of people that's able to really get into that sport um, in particular. And as you could imagine, ski flying is pretty dangerous, but there actually haven't been any fatalities. Wow. Uh, there have been lots of like pretty serious injuries, but event officials very closely monitor conditions from various points along the hill to ensure that jumps are done as safely as possible. And over the years, they've like lowered or shortened the length of the in run because they don't want skiers to go too fast. Um, and they lowered the angle of the table or the ramp because they don't want skiers to go too high off of the hill because sometimes they would go too high, lose control in the air and plummet like 30 feet going at like Jeez. 70 miles an hour. And people would get fucked up when you fall. And it, it kind of came to a head in the 80s. Yeah. So there were there was one event in particular where there were a lot of crashes due to crosswinds. Um, it was just like sucking people out of the air, essentially. And people were dropping like flies and they had to make all these different safety changes. So now they measure wind speed at various points along the hill. And if the wind exceeds more than two meters per second or about six and a half feet per second anywhere on the hill, no one's allowed to jump until the wind dies down. And a headwind is actually preferred because it generates more lift and allows skiers to fly further because they're going into the wind. Um, and tailwinds and crosswinds are exceptionally dangerous because tailwinds can make you go faster and crosswinds can knock you out of a straight line. Yeah, crosswinds sound terrifying. I would hate to... Oh, my God. Yeah. Can't yeah. imagine, like, flying through the air with skis on your feet and all of a sudden you're, like, looking at the shit where you're like, I'm going to land there. And then you're like, nope. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why it makes it worse. I mean, I'm I'm no skier, but, like... I feel like not having the rods to hold on to mm. would also make it worse, which is based on absolutely no. I always liked having those rods. Those yeah. do something with my hands. They're, they're, not handles. they're called poles. Poles. Yeah. Shit, sure. Rods. <laughs> <laughs> ski rods. Well, you have your I preface rods. that by saying that I don't ski. And, and actually, I know nothing about most it, beginner so. skiers start without poles. So the purpose of poles is like you could kind of jab them in the ground and pivot around them. Yeah. Um, mm. And that's kind of a, a more advanced technique. So most beginner skiers start without poles. But yeah, uh, so ski flying, it looks really super fun, but it's reserved only for like top tier athletes in a particular part of the world, essentially. Uh, so maybe in another life, I'll like respawn as a small European child <laughs> at the <laughs> foot of a at the foot of a mountain in a remote skiing village. God, I hope so I for hope, you. Yeah, I hope so too. That's it. Ooh, right back. And that's game. <laughs> oh. All right, y'all. Welcome to the outro of the show. Real quick, um, I want to go into the stuff that we always forget to do, which is, hey, follow us on all the things. Instagram, Twitter. Twitter. That's it. That's all we got. Uh, (laughs) Friendster. Yeah. We don't do a lot of Uh, In the grocery store. Follow us in the grocery store. Follow Follow me home at night. Yeah. In the dark. I'm scared. Follow me home, please. 
Um, so Instagram, one out of four experts. We're Twitter, one out of four experts. One out of four experts everywhere. Just find us. If you want to send us stuff, we like getting things and information and, hey, topics. We do topics every week in this show. They're totally random. Um, if you could do the work for us, that would be great. Right. If, if you have a topic, you can send them to one out of four experts at gmail.com. One out of four experts at gmail.com. The, the number one, the, one, the, one the number the four, four numbers. The one out of the four numbers. Thank you. Um, and, the, and you don't like, I, I like the idea that it's going to be a surprise who does the topic every week. If you want to request an expert to do a topic, you can do that too. But no promises because it's a lot of fun when we don't know who's doing what topics. So we're going to keep playing that game. But speaking of games, where are we at, folks? All right. We got a problem. Because Uh-oh. there's a tie. Again? Yeah, Ooh. it was almost a four-way tie because we all got two points. Um Holy except, shit. except Joel lost a point in his own round. Oh, so. yes. yes. <laughs> so I lost a point. Nice. So Joel only has one point. Um, the rest of us have two. Each have two. And I propose that we solve this the same way that Mario Party resolves this issue. Uh, wait, I'm sorry. Mario. Can you, what, what, wait, what game is Mario Party? This? I've heard of Mario Party before. All right, before. so when you're playing that game... I like to play as Wario. And <laughs> Exactly. Now, well, now you see why I do it. If one player ends up with a different result, if, you know, then they it's a three versus one. And so I think we should just give it to Joel. Wait, what? Oh, wow. <laughs> what? But I'm not going to argue. I don't know what's happening. No, I, you know, that seems easiest. And I, I, I like the... I like the reasoning. I like Mario Party. I, I like, like I like Mario. you guys. I don't so. like Joel though, so this right, is no, a bad idea. I Wait, we what? all win because now Joel has to go first next time. Yep, that's true. Yeah, it takes the pressure off the rest of us. I I'm like to pick an okay. extra juicy topic next week. Yeah, good. It's gonna be so good. And you know what it's gonna be? What is your good? What what what's yeah, your, what is your, tell tell what your topic, topic is? My topic next week is gonna be microphone schmegma. It's the, the 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 residue that builds up on the outside of the you microphone. Said it was gonna be juicy. And uh, it is um, it's a it's a type of mold. It's a type of slime get mold. Too into it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We have to save We'll save it for next week. Okay. But yeah, it's gonna be good. Microphone schmegma next week. I'll I'm show bringing, you. I'm bringing uh, uh, bananagrams, but like the extra large version where it's like two bananagrams all put together in <laughs> in one large bananagrams. I'm going to show you, and this is going to sound crazy, but I promise you it works. I'm going to show you how to lubricate any zipper with glue. All right. I'm going to be talking about uh, socks, but you guys, not just socks, but like the size of socks, the shape of socks, the color of socks. There's blue socks. There's red socks. There's purple socks. Chris, there's Chris, gray Chris. socks. There's black socks. There's white socks. Right. There's but green socks, but not just green. There's forest green. There's mint green. There's lime green, there's Kelly green, mm-hmm. there's mint green, there's seafoam green. There's not there are so green, many there? kinds of green. My topic next week is green. Next week on Wait, one out of four socks. experts. Socks. Next week. Listen, it's the same amount of tomatoes every time. The scale is just how rotten they are. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody gets the same amount of tomatoes. Right, well, I'm, glad, I'm glad you got a solid take because Chris and I can remember to cut that in later. <laughs> uh, experts.